0: Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that above all things, we can have hope in you. As this morning we were singing that our hope is in you, that our foundation is in you. Lord, this is a hope that is sure. It's an anchor in which we can cling to. The hope that we have in Christ is not wishful thinking, but it's confidence, knowing that you are God and you are the God of salvation. Lord, as we come to you in your word, as we look about this hope that we have stored up for us, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that we would be encouraged, that we would look to you, knowing that what we see here on this earth, what we deal with on this earth, what we are faced with here on this earth, will pass away. But there is a hope that will not pass away, that we are going to be with you, Lord, if we are in you now. I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and give us wisdom, give us understanding of your word, just as the psalmist cried out, you give understanding to the simple. So Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your word and give us understanding today. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are all familiar with suffering. No matter what the extent, all of creation is subject to suffering. Whether a child getting a splinter taken out, and if you can remember that, if you have children or all of us were children at one time going through the agony of having a splinter thinking it's the end of the world having a splinter and and i remember my dad he wasn't very gracious but he would um he would be kind of rough you know in in getting that splinter out and it it seemed like getting it out was had more pain than having the splinter itself but that's just something small Think of the person that is struggling through a condition that is life-threatening, someone going through cancer, somebody going through a disease, and the treatment even itself sometimes seems worse than the disease. All of us have a reality and understanding of suffering. Suffering happens to all here on this earth. And when we're going through that suffering, when we're going through that trouble, it seems as though there is no end. It's as though that this suffering is all we can think about. And this world, as we look out into the world and we look at all the things that happen day in and day out on the news with the whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's an epidemic, a pandemic, whether it's genocide, whether no matter what it is, there are people on this earth that are suffering. And unfortunately for the majority of the people here on this earth, they have no hope. They have a hope that it would just end But unfortunately, for those who are not in Christ, that's just the beginning of their suffering. We go through suffering, and often that takes up all of our focus. But we have a hope. We have a hope that is laid up for us, a hope in Christ. And apart from Christ, there is no hope. And suffering will continue on this earth, and it will continue for those who are without Christ. In our hope, we must endure this suffering, but enduring that suffering is difficult. It's tough. And going through suffering without hope is even worse but thank God we have hope if you would turn with me in your Bibles today to Romans 8 verses 18 through 25 is what we will be looking at today we will examine the hope that Paul speaks about this hope of glory This passage is found after Paul writes about struggling with sin. He says that he does the things that he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't do what he wants to do. And he ends this chapter with this exclamation saying, Who will deliver me from this body of death? He knows that there's a struggle with sin a nature that is bent towards sin. But he also proclaims that there is a cure for this sin, that it is Jesus Christ in him alone. He continues to talk about those who have Christ. He continues in this next chapter saying that there is hope. After he says, who will deliver me from this body of death, he says, I thank God for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, he starts by saying, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Our passage today is going to talk about the hope And tell us about the hope of glory that is stored up for us. So read with me in your Bibles. We're going to read Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we hope... For what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We're going to look at this contrast between suffering and glory. And first we'll look that in our suffering we must hope in Christ. The scriptures make it abundantly clear that apart from Christ Jesus, there is no hope. And at the end of this previous chapter, as I said before, Paul exclaims, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And the answer is Jesus Christ. We must realize that suffering is caused by sin. All suffering here on this earth is a result of sin. We see in the beginning with the, the curse, starting with Genesis three sixteen, to the woman. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And in pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. There's promise of pain and suffering because of sin. Genesis 3, 17, continuing on. And to Adam he said, but because of you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Continuing on, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, and for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There's death because of sin. Suffering is caused by sin. We see in verse 18... For I consider the, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. This present time, this time that we are here waiting for something. And Paul will get into what we're waiting for. But in verse 18, it says that these sufferings of this present time. Thank God that these sufferings are temporary. We know that suffering is temporary. We can know that although we deal with the causes of sin, we deal with the results of sin, whether it is our sin or somebody sinning against us or the creation itself dealing with or bearing with the sin, as there are thorns, thistles, natural disasters, all sorts of things that happen. Sometimes people will often ask, well, why do bad things happen? Well, because of sin. Everything that God has given, everything that God has created was good. But due to sin, there became suffering. But we know that this suffering is temporary for those who hope in Christ. As the verse that I referenced earlier, Romans 7, 24 through the beginning of 25, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's crying out knowing that there is suffering and he is suffering with the sin that he has. But he knows there will be someone who will deliver him, take him out of this suffering. And continuing in Romans 8, verse 1, knowing therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's not going to be an eternal suffering for those who are in Christ, but will be relieved of that suffering. The second death awaits those who are not in Christ Jesus. This suffering, it's suffering without relief. But those in Christ have hope of not receiving this condemnation. And although we suffer for a little while, we have hope. Some suffering, we have hope in the same suffering. We have hope that we will suffer the same as other Christians. We see in 1 Peter 5.10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory with Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The verse right previous to this, he says that, Peter says that you're not the only one suffering. Other Christians are suffering. But we have this hope that God will restore us, confirm us, strengthen us, and establish us. And we are partakers of suffering with Christ. We know that we don't suffer alone. But Christ Jesus came and suffered. He suffered more than any of us could even imagine. But he endured it. He endured it for those who would believe in him. He would endure it for his children. We see this, in, as I said in 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And I've often suffered my lifetime, uh, more than the majority of my life, I was outside of Christ. And now coming on uh, this week or next, it'll be eight years since I've Uh, been in Christ, been born again. And so many times I've done stupid things. I've done all sorts of things, and I was in sin, and I suffered. There was consequences to my actions, but I well deserved those things. Nobody could come and have pity on me and say, oh, well, I'm sorry that you have to serve this time or that you have to pay this fine or sorry that you, know, you uh, lost your job because you, you uh, were rude to your manager or all sorts of things. But we know that the kind of suffering that we endure is caused by those who are against us in Christ. We're not rewarded for suffering for our own sin. 1 Peter 3 17 for it is better to suffer for doing good than if that if that should be God's will than doing for than for doing evil. Nobody should get a pat on the back for getting the book thrown at them. But there are some, and especially Paul and who suffer in this world for doing the work of God. Paul was stoned, left for dead, imprisoned, abandoned. But we know that it's also for us to endure these things, to endure these sufferings. Philippians 1, 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. We know that Christ is, Suffered more than any of us could ever think of. And this suffering is for doing what is right because the world hates what is right. The world calls good evil and evil good. Standing up for the Lord and proclaiming the truth often gets bad attention from the world. And we praise God that here on this, in this country we, we can have the freedom to go and proselytize and freedom to go and evangelize but some countries here on this earth they don't have that freedom and people are often killed if not just put into prison for going and proclaiming the gospel. We cannot find any hope apart from Christ. Christ. And suffering without hope is frightful. But we have this hope. And our suffering has a purpose. Later on in this chapter, in verse 29, after the most, uh, one of the most quoted in verse 28, that, and we know that all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And continues on to 29, for those he foreknew he predestined to be Conform to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that he would be the firstborn of many. This suffering, all these things, God uses these sufferings to conform us to Christ Jesus. That we would not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So we can understand what he has went through, taking upon not only being rejected by his own, Murdered by his own. But the wrath of God poured upon him. He, notice, is the firstborn of many. And this is what Paul is talking about here in our our section of scripture, our passage, is that we are looking, awaiting this revealing of the sons of God in verse 19. And we're looking for this adoption. We have this hope. And we have this first fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we have this hope of becoming uh, like Christ. In our suffering, we learn obedience, just as Christ learned obedience. But to what end? For his glorification. We know that Christ suffered and died and brought glory to the Father and that his name would be the name above all names That at the name of Jesus Christ, all knees shall bow, all tongues shall confess that he is Lord. We look to this hope to partake not only in the sufferings, but also his glory. So we must look forward to the glory in Christ. Christ came and learned obedience through suffering, even suffering death on a cross. And he did this to bring glory to the Father. We see this in Philippians 2:10 through 11. Christ is highly exalted in his suffering. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the, to the glory of God the Father willingly or not all will praise his name in the heavens on the earth and under the earth all will see when his glory is revealed we have this hope knowing that we are a, have we have a promise of adoption in verse 19 as i said that we are eagerly longing for the for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And in verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain a freedom of the glory of the children of God. We're looking for this adoption as we wait eagerly in verse 23. We wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. We have this revealing that we are sons of God. We have the first fruits. We have this promise. But we, it will be realized and actual when we're with him. We have this future freedom uh, that results of sin. We have freedom from the suffering of sin. We have freedom of sin. As the, and we also have the glory of the children of God. We have this promise of adoption and it's more than just a title. It's more than just wearing a t-shirt that says I'm a child of God. It's more than just going around and saying well yes I'm a Christian God's my father. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's a relationship and it's also an inheritance. There's a promise of sharing in his inheritance. As when, when you're a someone is adopted that is not a part of the family but then comes into the family, they're written into the will. They have all rights and privileges as a natural born. The adoption is that we will be his children and we will be partakers of an inheritance. We have this promise given to us and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, you have eternal life now. And you are made alive by His Spirit. And this is a foretaste. This is a promise of the realization of fully being alive with Christ. It's a already not yet. It's something we have and something we will have even more in verse 23 paul says that we have the first fruit of the spirit first peter 1 3 through 5 peter talks about being born again into a living hope an inheritance that is kept in heaven from us Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for his salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have this promise. And that this glory will be revealed on the day of the Lord. This inheritance is sharing with the glory of Christ, and it is to come and to be revealed when he comes back. When Christ comes back, the glory will be revealed fully. In verse 18, the glory that has is to be revealed to us. We see this here for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We're waiting for this glory. And in verse 19, for the creation waits eagerly, eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Our adoption with Christ will be fully realized in his second coming. We will shed Our sinful tents that we have here on this earth, that we occupy now, this body of death, as Paul called it, and we will put on glorified bodies, free of sin, free of corruption. In verse 23, as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are affected by sin thinking of those diseases, thinking of death itself, physical death, thinking about how we get older, things don't work like they should. That wasn't how it was to be. But by death came corruption, or by sin came corruption, we have this hope though, of this redemption of our bodies. First Corinthians 15, 49. Just as we have been just as we born the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We will look, we will be like, we will have bodies like Christ. First John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. We have this promise now. We have this first fruit now. We have this Holy Spirit now. We're counted as sons of God. But we have something laid up for us. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Pastor was recently speaking about how Peter said there's no comparison to the word being revealed, revealing God as as he saw God saw Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. But I'll say even that the glory that Peter saw and had a glimpse of, was only a little, little view. There's going to be no need for the sun. There will be everlasting life, no tears, no sorrow, no death. When we will be with him, we'll be as he is. We'll be like him, apart from sin. And of course, knowing that suffering is a result of sin... There won't be suffering when we're with him. So what do we do now in the meantime? In the midst of suffering, it's it's enough to say, you know, and of course when somebody is going through a hard time, you don't go to them and and quote James and say, well, count it all joy. That's not going to help them if you just say, well, you, you know, in your suffering you should be okay and you should be happy we have to give them the reason why. Why there is hope. In the midst of suffering, how do we conduct ourselves? Do we complain like the world? Do we murmur like the world does? Do we only think about that being so consumed by our suffering that all we do is murmur and complain? The world has no hope. And we shouldn't be like them. We shouldn't act as they do. But we who have Christ have hope. And so we must wait patiently in our hope for glory. We must wait patiently in our hope of glory. As verse 23 in our text says that we wait eagerly, we are not on our own. We're not waiting here For something by ourselves. God has given us help. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We must endure empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. Being born again, the Spirit lives in us. The Spirit convicts us of sin. The Spirit gives us strength to overcome sin. And putting death to our bodies, but the Spirit also gives us hope that it's a foretaste of the future glory we will receive if we're in Christ. And this hope, and this of this power to endure, is given by the Spirit. We can see this in Second Corinthians four sixteen through seventeen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away suffering from sin, the inner self is being renewed day by day, conformed to his image. There's the contrast between the suffering and the glory. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Notice he says, low light and momentary. I've only been on this earth for 35 years, and I couldn't imagine doubling that age. But being on this earth for some amount of time, many of you have went through a lot of things. Whether it's relationship hardships, whether it's physical hardships, whether it is grieving, mourning, the death of a loved one, no matter what it is, all of us have been affected by sin and we suffer in that sin. No matter what we have been through, Paul says that it's light and momentary. It's temporary. Hallelujah, it's temporary. We can look to Christ not only are we empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're called to eagerly wait, await the coming, the coming of the Lord. We're to look for him. As John says, come, Lord Jesus, come. Our inward is renewed. And as we wait for this redemption of our bodies, so we are to also eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord. Again, we wait eagerly with patience. And this hope is not a wishy-washy hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's more than that. It's confident expectation. We can't just say, well, I hope the Lord comes back. We'll see. I hope he comes back and delivers me. I hope I go to heaven. I hope I do this. I hope I do that. That's not words of hope. That's wishful thinking we have to have a confident expectation that is what hope is seeing the not seeing the things that are to come hoping in the things that we do not see but we know that is what faith is faith is the substance of things not seen it's hoping for things that are to come James chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Stand firm in your hearts, stand firm in your faith knowing that the coming of the Lord is at hand. We know that there will be a harvest. We know and we trust in what is to come. Patience, endurance, is manageable when living in hope, in the hope of the future redemption. But are we to keep this hope to ourselves? We can't. We must proclaim the hope that is in us, we must go forth and tell those without hope why we have hope, if indeed you do have hope. Are you going to just keep it to yourself that although you're suffering and, and going through the same thing as your neighbor is going through, but they have no hope? Are you going to leave them there without hope? Or when somebody comes and asks you, why do you seem to always be so happy? Or why do you seem to have joy? Why doesn't things bother you? I knew you 10 years ago and you'd fly off the handle, but now, what's different? Are we going to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have? 1 Peter 3, 14 through 15 But even if you should suffer for righteous sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Don't do it so arrogantly saying, well, I have hope and you don't. I have Christ." And you don't. No, that should bring sorrow to you. Just as it did to the Lord Jesus Christ, looking on those that were sheep without a shepherd. Seeing somebody without hope, and I know I've seen a lot of teenagers where in this next generation, and uh, it seems much, and of course it could be this way, and every generation says this, but from my generation to the one that I'm, I've seen coming up there's a lot without hope and it's because hope is not it's not in the homes there's no christian homes and so just generation after generation things are falling apart so we must go out and 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 show these people who think that you know my it'd be better for me to just end it. How terrible is that? Not only do they not fear the Lord, but they don't fear the second death. And that's what should really get to us, knowing that they need to know what the hope we have. We have a cure For suffering. And that cure is Jesus Christ. And apart from Christ. There is no hope. We have this promise. That's going to be revealed. And that we're going to be relieved. Of suffering. So we must. Patiently. Endure suffering on this earth. Knowing that it is nothing. Compared to the future glory. That we will have. In Christ, when we're with him. Notice Paul would take out a scale, a balance. Say, okay, I'm going to take all your troubles, put it on this balance. And then as soon as he puts on the thought of glory, being with Christ, the scales flip. There's nothing, nothing that we would ever face here on this earth. That is worse or, or compared to, that is compared to the glory that is going to be revealed. And so do we have this mentality Do we think about this, even with thinking of when someone passes away? I've often heard it say, well, praise God, they're no longer suffering now. We bring light to the suffering but let's bring light to the glory. Praise God, they're with the Savior. If indeed they know Christ and they had a testimony, we can shed the light saying, look, they're with him. Of course they're not suffering because they're with him who is life. Where there is no darkness, there is no sin, there is no death. We have this hope, hope of glory stored up if indeed we hope in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day that we can look into your word. Thank you, Lord, for this message that Paul is exhorting us to look to the hope we have in Christ to the hope we have in glory the redemption of our bodies lord i pray that we would realize that our sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed lord i pray that you would work in our hearts that our hope is not wishful thinking but it's it's being convinced eagerly confidently waiting for things to be revealed. Come, Lord Jesus, come, we pray. We pray in this, in Christ's name.